All right, if you got your Bibles, I'll invite you to open to Romans chapter 12. We are going through a sermon series uh, called Gifted, and I'll do a little bit of summary and recap here in just a second, but I'm going to invite Miss Stephanie to come. She's going to read from Romans uh, 12, verses 3 through 8, and then I'll pray and we'll get to work here. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you have uh, given us just such clear, practical examples of of the types of gifts that you give to us. And so God, I ask and I pray today that um, this time of teaching while it would be practical and helpful and, and, and even, God, hopefully insightful, I also pray that it would be inspiring and it would be challenging that we would not just seek to understand what these gifts are and, and how they're spoken of in the scripture, but God, we'd seek to put them to use for your glory and for the benefit of others in the world. So would you, God, send your Holy Spirit to be present with us now in a very special and unique way. Guard my lips and help me to only teach that which is in line with the truth of your word. And we pray all of this in Jesus' Jesus, good name. Amen. I am a big baseball fan. I I love the sport of baseball, and I know that that's not a super popular thing to say now as we're getting into football season and the the rabid football fans, both college and NFL, are are starting to rise up. And me, I'm like, all I care about right now is the playoff hunt and the month of September coming. And I love baseball. There's an article. It came out maybe about six years ago, and I share it every year at the beginning of baseball season, and the article is just called Baseball is Life. And it talks about how baseball is just profound stretches of boringness with moments of exhilaration and how it serves as a metaphor for life. And, and they even talk about like the way that baseball players uh, are kind of a good metaphor for life. I'll read this quote to you. He says, NBA players are seven-foot-tall freaks with, with wingspans that can reach from your breakfast buffet in the kitchen to the passenger side window of your minivan in the carport. That's not reality. Nor is the 400-pound professional football player who can lift that van and run it down the street for an oil change. A baseball player, on the other hand, (laughs) is a guy who looks like your brother's best friend, Brad, (laughs) or the shift manager at the factory, and we like that, okay? The idea when you watch baseball, yeah, they're not super impressive looking players the way that a basketball player is or a football player is or a, you know, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu or a fighter or whatever. They, they kind of look like these ordinary people. But when you really start to understand the sport, the things they do are remarkable. Just, uh, I was working with my, my daughter. My oldest daughter wants to try out for a softball team here in middle school. And so I was having her run some fly balls and just the ability to, you know, the crack a fly ball and then to see where it's going to go and run it down. It's just remarkable. And these guys do it just routinely. Or, uh, you know, it's been said many times, the hardest thing to do in all of sports is to hit a fastball. It's, it's really, really difficult. It takes a lot of eye-hand coordination. It takes a lot of bravery just to stand in the batting box while someone is hurtling a 94-mile projectile 18 inches away from you. But again, on the surface, they don't look that impressive. 
Today, as we're going through this sermon series, you're like, where are you going with this, Aaron? Uh, As we're going through this sermon series, we're talking about the actual gifts. We're really going to kind of turn a corner and and have the rubber hit the road. And and the gifts that we're going to talk about today are the, quote, ordinary gifts. It's this list of things given to us in the Bible that really on the surface, it's kind of like baseball players. They, They don't really look all that impressive. They don't really look that amazing, but, but actually when you start to understand that, that these spiritual gifts, even if they look rather ordinary, they're absolutely invaluable in the kingdom of God. That's our big idea for today, that, that we can't discount these gifts as merely ordinary. They really are truly supernatural, even if on the surface, they look kind of like normal things that we as human beings do. Let me just do some recap for those of you uh, who maybe haven't been with us for the last few weeks. Here's where we've been. We've seen in the last couple weeks, number one, that all Christians have the Holy Spirit. There is not some special group of Christians or some select class or some um, group of people that have the Holy Spirit and others that don't. The book of Ephesians, the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of Romans all tell us explicitly that if you are a Christian— If you have repented of your sin, put your faith in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, that on the day you believed, you were given the Holy Spirit. And that the life of a Christian from that point on is a life of being filled over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. Number two, we saw that all Christians have gifts from the Holy Spirit. There are no Christians who don't have spiritual gifts. There's that's just no there's no such thing. And I share that because I think many of us, whether it's shame or insecurity or possibly even just ignorance, sometimes Christians think, I don't have any spiritual gifts. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you're filled with the Spirit, you do have gifts. Number three, we've we've learned that a healthy body really needs all of its parts functioning well. That if you in your natural body have, have a limb that doesn't work or have an organ that doesn't work, well, your body is unhealthy. And to the degree that the individual members of your body are unhealthy, well, then the whole body is unhealthy. And friends, I would say that holds true within the context of a local church. That if we as a local church don't have all parts of the body healthy and functioning and, and living out their God-designed purpose, well, then we're, to that degree, not a healthy church. And we believe this is one of the specific areas of growth that God is calling us. We as the elder team prayed about this and talked about this and actually put this sermon series into action because we believe this is a significant growth area that God has for us. Number four, a Holy Spirit active church will be, quote, naturally supernatural. Meaning that, that all of the God stuff that's happening, it's, it's, it's supernatural because it's God and he is supernatural. But when I say naturally supernatural, I, I guess what I mean is that not weird, <laughs> uh, not off-putting, that if the Holy Spirit is at work and the Holy Spirit is doing supernatural things in the lives and through the lives of the members of the church, it's going to have an effect where people are going to want to be drawn in. We'll talk more about that in upcoming weeks in this series, but we are seeking as a church to be a naturally supernatural church church, that we are not surprised when God does amazing, miraculous, supernatural things, because that's just who he is. Amen? And then the last thing we we saw last week, talking about this idea of we're one body, but with many different members, is that true unity and true diversity are only possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we get into these different gifts, one of the things we're going to look at today is the ways that these gifts can go awry and the way that these gifts can actually bother other people who don't have those gifts. And and, and we have to remember uh, that in Christ Jesus, we are one, one body 
Yes, diverse, many members, but only in the gospel of Jesus can that really be held together, okay? So that's what we've seen. Here's a couple things I want to say as far as where we're going today. We're going to look at, there's five passages in the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts. They identify some, some 20 spiritual gifts, different people, you know, sometimes say 18, sometimes 21. Uh, I've, I've narrowed it down to 20 the way I kind of understand these gifts and there's some overlapping terminology. But I do want to say this, these gift lists are likely not comprehensive. They're not exhaustive. So the Bible gives us these different lists, but, I, but they're kind of overlapping and, and, and they're not meant to be like, these are the only spiritual gifts that are in existence. I'll talk about that more in a little bit here. Number two, there's a verse in, uh, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, that talks about as each person has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as the one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So it's possible to categorize the gifts into speaking and to serving gifts. Uh, I opted to take this ordinary and extraordinary approach because I wanted to really have some time to talk about speaking in tongues next week. And so uh, you're welcome. Come back. It's going to be great. I'm only going to preach one third of the sermon in tongues. Uh, Poor Eric's eye just started twitching right now. I can see you, bro. Some of you talking about spiritual gifts in general, it does. It it brings up, uh, and I'll use the word baggage, or it brings up hurts or fears, things that you've seen or questions you've had or maybe even really bad experiences that you've had. But but we want to talk about these spiritual gifts because it's a biblical idea and we need to see what God has told us. And then the third thing I want to say about where we're going, and we're going to dive in here, that verse that we just read for our scripture reading, it said to Think with sober judgment about yourself and your gifts. Think with sober judgment. Okay, it says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but if you have these gifts, put them into into practice and use them. Sober judgment means having a right humility, not thinking that your gift is better than other people's gift or your gift is somehow superior or if everyone just had your gift, the church would be a better place. However, it also means not berating yourself or having some sort of a false humility. Oh, I just, I couldn't possibly, I could never. No, stand up, be a man, be a woman, use the gifts that God has given to you with a right type of Holy Spirit confidence. Can you hear that word today, church? We want to avoid the, the pride ditch, absolutely, but we also want to avoid the uh, lack of confidence. The Bible says that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work within you. That ought to give you some confidence, church. Not in yourself, but in God in you. So with that said, if you're a note taker, today is your day. Loosen up your wrists, get your pens out, let's do this. 15. We're going to go through 15 gifts. Uh, I'm going to try to get us out of here before the beach baptisms this afternoon, uh, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best to move quickly. All of these notes are available online. Further definitions of the gifts and, and, and other stuff, all that resources are online. I just simply don't have time to do an exhaustive covering of each one of these gifts, but I want to at least put them all before you and then show how these all serve to point us to Jesus. So let's talk about some leadership gifts. Uh, the first one is, well, leadership, okay? And you're like, like, wow, Aaron, you spent a lot of time studying this week. Yes, I did. Leadership is one of the spiritual gifts that's identified in Romans 12. And, and leadership is one of those things. People write about it, talk about it, have conferences about it. Don't overcomplicate it. Leadership simply means having a picture of, of a future or a place to go or something to do and the ability to influence and call others to go with you. 
One of my friends uh, from Alaska, Christian, he always said, if you want to know if you're a leader, just turn around and see if anyone's following you. And yeah, I know, right? It's like, stop. I'm like, that's like, that's a really profound point. I needed to think about that. The ability to have a vision though, and to say like, hey, let's, let's all go somewhere. I, I, I do have a spiritual gift of leadership and I've, I've kind of long joked that my, my spiritual gift of leadership can be boiled down to saying, hey, everybody, let's, and then fill in the blank. And praise God that he saved me and gave me something productive to put all of my energies towards because if not for the grace of God, I would use those leadership gifts for lots of destructive things. Someone with leadership gifts might be multi-talented. They might be able to excel in many different environments. If you find yourself kind of in different roles or different environments, maybe you've had a couple different jobs, maybe you have a leadership type of gifting the good thing about leadership, we all need leaders. They help move things forward. And, and I hope this isn't overly negative, but I'm going to talk about ways that these gifts can go bad all the way through. So leadership gifting can go bad when you're uh, maybe too much of a dreamer. You're always running off ahead of people and the people aren't actually following you. Like, I wish I could follow you, but you're like a mile and a half down the road and I need you to come back and hold my hand and slow down a little bit, okay? I see people like nudging other people that they know right now, okay? So that's one way it can go bad. Leaders can, can uh, be impatient. You know, you've got this desired outcome. You've got this picture of the future. Uh, leaders can, can be impatient with those who aren't maybe as quick. Uh, leaders can fall into self-importance thinking that because they're supposed to go first, that somehow their gift is more important. Uh, leadership gifts go awry. And I'll say this, leadership gifts can be some of the most hurtful when used, not in a Christ-honoring and in a people-loving sort of a way. So leadership, that's the first one. But within the leadership gifts, we also see apostleship. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Ephesians 4, 11, talk about apostleship. Uh, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I'll reiterate it here. The Bible speaks about apostles kind of in two different ways. We could call it the capital A apostle and the lowercase a apostle way. The, the capital A apostle, apostle means one who is sent with a message. Capital A apostle though, there were a select group of people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus and his life and his ministry. And they were specifically given a message from God to write the scriptures. In that sense, there are no apostles today. Nobody else gets to come along and say, I have a revelation from God that is equivalent to scripture. If anyone says that to you, run, okay? Uh, there are not capital A apostles in that sense. However, a gifting of apostleship is still in place where people may be gifted by God to go with a message to, to maybe you're a, a networker or you're someone who travels or you, you are just passionate about international missions or going to different countries to, to meet different people groups and share the good news of Jesus. In that sense, apostles Apostleship is absolutely in effect. I, I have seen this gift used well in my time in church leadership and ministry. However, when this gift goes awry, I've also seen it where people can be really disconnected from home base. We all need to belong to a body. We all need to be plugged in at the local church level, life on life. People who know us, not just on the good days, but on the bad days. And if a gift of apostleship kind of goes wrong, well, sometimes you can just be kind of far off and distant. Uh, sometimes people with apostleship can become power hungry. I'm meeting all these people, getting involved with leaders and different groups and denominations and countries, and you all of a sudden can feel very powerful because you've got a lot of authority and a lot of influence. So that's apostleship. One more leadership gift, and that is the gift of shepherding. Ephesians 4.11 talks about the shepherds and teachers. 
And again, there's kind of a formal sense that we use it and then, and then the, the less formal sense. So um, we use at Sound City Bible Church, not every church does this, but we use the word pastor synonymously with elder and synonymously with overseer. I don't have the time to go into it now, but there's a really, uh, I hope, helpful explanation of that on our website. We see those three terms used interchangeably. Other churches use pastor just more generally to mean someone who cares for other people. We all are called as disciples of Jesus to care for people, to shepherd Every one of you who is a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an auntie or someone who serves in the children's ministry, you have uh, an opportunity to shepherd, to teach, to care, to protect, to love. Think about just the work of a shepherd. God calls some with a specific gift of shepherding into that role of a pastor, elder, overseer. And so that we could call that maybe the capital P pastor. But in a sense, all of us as disciples of Jesus have a lowercase p pastoring sort of a role in the life of someone else. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. There's a shepherding role there. Like I said, parents, grandparents, small group leaders, people who uh, volunteer in our student ministry, we all have opportunities to shepherd. By the way, this will come up multiple times, but there is something you'll notice as we start going through these spiritual gifts. Like, well, wait a minute. I thought all Christians were called to do that. Like when we get to evangelism or, you know, mercy, (laughs) we are all called. Every Christian is called to care for others, to shepherd others, to watch out for the well-being of others. Some will have a particular spiritual gift and you'll know those people because they're the ones that everyone runs to when the times are tough. That gift of caring and protecting and teaching and providing. So those are the three kind of leadership gifts. Let's move on to a related category of speaking or teaching or instructing gifts. And the first one I want to highlight is evangelism. Okay, evangelism by definition is spreading the good news. You're a good newser. Okay, if you have the gift of evangelism, now here's what happens. I see people with gifts of evangelism all the time, but they're not using it for the goodest news, right? The the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, We are, I think by nature as humans, we are evangelists. When you found a new restaurant that you love, you tell people about it. You post it up on Facebook. When you, when you download like the record of the year, the album of the year, it's my favorite album I've ever heard and it's gonna change your life and you just have to listen to it. And I download it and I listen to it. That's kind of boring. And you're like, no, it's amazing. And you know what I mean? Like we, we have this tendency to want to share the good news of, you know, I'm gonna get in trouble. I was gonna say essential oils, but I won't go there, right? But like whatever, I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about witchcraft in church. I'm just saying like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? Whatever. Whatever it is, right? CrossFit. Whatever, whatever it might be. We all have this tendency to want to talk about the good news of whatever it is. Every Christian is called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Every Christian is called to do it. Some will have a particular gifting where you just find yourself in conversations with people all the time talking about Jesus. You can't even go to get a a, a coffee at the coffee shop without someone breaking down in tears and telling you their life story. I have a friend with a very distinct gift of evangelism and we were at the grocery store. We were picking up some stuff when I was at home in Alaska visiting people earlier this month and we ended up in this long conversation. I found this guy's life story and he was from, you know, the Pacific Islands. He was moved up. He's from Samoa and he'd moved up to Alaska. I'm like, how do we get in this conversation? Like, I'm just trying to buy some crackers, Okay. This gift of evangelism. Now, what happens when evangelism gifts go awry? Well, you could be overly enthusiastic or zealous. It can turn people off, okay? 
Uh, you could get you could get involved in um, network marketing. Uh, you could. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, look, I'm sure your lipstick is great. Okay, uh, whatever you're trying to sell. But does it need to be the only thing you post on Facebook about? Okay, I'll fix that for the next service. I'm sorry. These are my gifts of discernment coming out, right? Another thing that can happen though is. When, when an evangelism, sort of a gift goes awry, you end up using people to reach other people. Instead of loving the people in your life, loving the people that you have, you can end up just using them and churning through them to try to reach other people or get other people. And so there needs to be some caution there, okay? Uh, another one of these speaking gifts is teaching or instructing or sharing information. Uh, the, the, the Christian faith is a beautiful faith in, in many ways, and one of the reasons why it's beautiful is there is information to be shared. There is right and wrong teaching. We just heard our sister uh, Shushan saying how passionate she is for there to be good and healthy doctrine taught in the nation of Armenia. Because there are, believe it or not, people who masquerade under the name of Christ who come in and they teach false things. They teach wrong things. Some of you have a gift of teaching and instructing and you, you just have an ability to kind of break things down and help things kind of make sense to people. A, a teaching gift in the life of a church, in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, is a beautiful and a good thing. Amen? And you think, well, how can a teaching gift go awry? Oh, well, let me tell you. Number one, uh, you could be one of those kinds of people that just goes too deep on everything, Okay? Uh, not everything needs to turn into a 45-minute, you know, soliloquy on whatever about, you just be careful, okay? Uh, also, for some of you with a teaching gift, you can end up teaching for your own ears to hear instead of for the benefit of the people that you're trying to instruct, okay? So be careful with that. James chapter 3 actually says, not many of you should become teachers because those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And that is a weighty verse for myself as a pastor, as a preacher, that verse echoes in my heart and in my mind all the time because, uh, and I pray it. You guys hear me pray it every single Sunday, every service. Lord God, guard my lips. I don't want to teach the opinions of Aaron Gray. I want to teach the truth of the word of God. So as you have opportunities to teach, parents, maybe you don't have a teaching gift. You do have a teaching opportunity. Use it wisely. Another one that sometimes is a little bit more controversial sounding, but I don't think it needs to be, is the spiritual gift of knowledge, or to be more precise, the spiritual gift of a word of knowledge. If you read in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul uses this language, a word of knowledge or an utterance of knowledge. And sometimes, you know, we, maybe it could be a little bit misunderstood of like you, you almost like you have to fall into a trance-like state and it's like, uh, what's the movie in the Matrix when they download, you know, the instructions on how to fly a helicopter right into your brain as eyes go back and boom, okay, I got a word of knowledge now. It's not like that, Okay. <laughs> It does, it is supernatural in the sense that, yeah, the Holy Spirit is bringing things to mind and calling things uh, to, your, to your mind to recall, but it specifically is a word of knowledge. Why? Because if you have a bunch of knowledge and it's all just stored up in your head, but you're not using it to share with others to build up the body of Christ, then it's not necessarily a spiritual gift. Just being really smart is not a spiritual gift. But someone with a gift of a word of knowledge, uh, maybe, maybe you've got a really detailed mind. Maybe you, you just remember facts and details and scripture references and, and, and you just have insight and all sorts of, 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 you know, kind of just thoughts and thinking and you, you love to think deep and you love to go deep. And it's really a, a good and a beautiful thing. Again, similarly to teaching, 
There's lots of facts about God. There's lots of information about God. God is a God who has revealed himself. We're not left to just guess or we're not left to just make it up on our own, praise God. So some of you who have the gift of a word of knowledge, you'll be in that moment. Somebody will say something like, well, hold, let, me, let, me, let me just share this with you or instruct you in this way. Again, similar to teaching, be careful to not become superior or condescending or developing kind of a, you know, hashtag shaking my head sort of a thing. Can you believe these people don't understand or don't know? Don't give place to that. That's not a fruit of the spirit at all. Condescension, okay? Use it to build others up. Uh, I, I will say, you know, sometimes I am surprised. I, I don't know that I have a gift of a word of knowledge, but I do have teaching gifts. I will be sometimes surprised. I'm like, man, sometimes I, people that have been Christians for a long time, they just, they don't know certain things and I want them to know. And I, and I can find myself battling with like, what's wrong with them that they don't know? And then in my better moments, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and reminds me, that's why you're a part of this body to help them to know and to teach them and to instruct them. Like, okay, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's true in my parenting as well. What's wrong with these kids? They don't know things. Well, because they're seven, okay? And they, they haven't lived that long. <sighs> Related is a word of wisdom. It also says an utterance of wisdom. And so um, kind of the definition, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, knowledge can be more just information, facts, data, which is good and helpful. Wisdom often tends to be much more about wise living, Wisdom is lived out. Wisdom isn't just spouting off, you know, proverbs or pithy sayings. Wisdom really is about understanding how to navigate the, 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 the pitfalls and the ditches and the thorn bushes of life and being able to kind of speak out wise words to others. James chapter 3 also says that wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Someone with a, a gift of wisdom probably likes to get into some discussions and debates and talk about things and what's good in what you're saying and what's off in what you're saying. And someone with a wisdom gift has full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Again, when it's, when it goes bad, it can be superior. What's wrong with people? Why can't they just get their stuff together? Why can't they just make good decisions with their lives? So those are the speaking or teaching or instructing gifts. Okay. How are we doing so far? We, we tracking? We're about, we're about halfway done the list. I feel like I'm doing all right here, okay? I don't have necessarily the spiritual gift of efficient timeliness in my speech, so I'm trying my best here. Here's a couple that need caution, okay? If you've got these gifts, they're really powerful, but it's kind of like, like a nail gun. You ever used a nail gun? Uh, I worked uh, construction for one summer, and actually that's not true. It was like two weeks, and I shot myself in the hand with a nail gun, and then I was done, okay? So... Uh, these are, a nail gun's a powerful tool. It does amazing things. You can build a house a lot quicker, but you can also dislocate your thumb with it. So these are gifts that need some caution. The first one is discernment or the way that the, the book of first Corinthians calls it the ability to distinguish between spirits. Okay. Discernment. You walk into a situation, someone's talking, someone's sharing, and you just have these kind of the back of your mind, like an alarm bell is kind of going off. Like it, it, on the surface, it all sounds good. On the surface, it seems right. There's just something off. Something ain't right. Something's just, uh, and you can't maybe even necessarily verbalize it. And, and there's five, six other people sitting around. They're just, they're enjoying life. They're happy. They're, they're not picking up on the same thing. Discernment, this ability to distinguish between spirits. You need to understand that Satan 
is a liar in his very nature. I was reading in the book of John recently. Jesus says he's a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. The apostle Paul says that Satan loves to masquerade as an angel of light. That, that, that most of the demonic stuff, like devilish demonic stuff, looks nothing like the horror movies or the exorcist or anything like that. Some of the most demonic stuff that you're around all the time is people telling you half-truths about God. And you, if you have a gift of discernment, you, you pick up on it. You know it. Now, why did I categorize this under be careful? Because it's a very powerful, a very necessary, a very important gift in the life of the body, but used improperly, you can just be a jerk. Okay? Going around correcting everybody, uh, uh, critical, quick to judge, even possibly fearful. Like, just where's the demon? Where's the demon? I know there's, you know, some sort of like evil spirit, you know, uh, vampire hunter. You're like, I just know there's some heresy in here. I'm coming to sniff it out, right? You got to be careful. We need people with the gift of discernment. I am thankful for friends, family members, people in our church who can just kind of walk into a situation and say, something just didn't feel right. It's not just about teaching. Maybe it's just someone is there with, with wrong motives, Someone shows up at the church and they have predatorial intent. We need people with the gift of discernment serving on our security team to help keep our children safe and to kind of keep an eye on things to make sure that, that, that you know, just they, kind of, wow, well, something's not quite right there. But be careful because you could become a chisel or a buzzsaw or a nail gun to the thumb of those people around you without caution and restraint, okay? Another one that needs some caution is the gift of exhortation. That was in our reading today from Romans 12. Um, the word translated as to exhort, which is a, just a weird word, exhort, uh, it can also mean to plead with or to encourage or to make an impassioned plea, to appeal. Th- these people with the gift of exhortation typically are high energy people. And they're the ones standing there on the side. Come on, you can do it. Let's go. You got this, right? Cheering you on when used properly. It's a powerful gift. I believe in you. Come on, don't give up. Don't quit. All that stuff like we read in the book of Hebrews last year. You know, keep going, persevere. What can happen with a gift of exhortation where it goes awry? You browbeat people. You're overly zealous. You show up too early in the morning with too loud of a voice, right? That's in the Bible, by the way. That's in the book of Proverbs. A man who greets his neighbor loudly in the morning, his blessing will be counted as a curse. Go look it up. It's in the book of Proverbs. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. It's, it's like, hey, not everybody's a morning exhorter, okay? Calm down. Slow your roll. You can become obnoxious. You can become uncaring. But when used well, it can be very motivating. So these two gifts, the gift of discernment, gift of exhortation, powerful gifts, necessary gifts, can bring a spark and life into a church community, into a small group, into a neighborhood, into a home. But just be careful. If you have these gifts, know that about yourselves. And I would even encourage you, and I mean this in sincerity, have some accountability partners in your life who can speak to you like, hey, you're, you might be uh, being overly critical or you might be overly enthusiastic and even off-putting to people, okay? Here's another couple of gifts that can be polarizing, okay? Now, these, by the way, these categories, these are just completely on my own, but from, from experience, I've seen that these gifts can have a you love it or you hate it kind of effect, okay? So the first one is the gift of faith. Now, again, here's a great example. All Christians have faith. By definition, you don't be a Christian if you don't have faith in Jesus, his life, death, resurrection. We all have faith. 
Like the great theologian George Michael said, right? You just got to have faith. <laughs> but here's it. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Leave it. It's okay, Rob. Leave it. <laughs> what, I hit too close to home? George Michael collection? <laughs> but what, what does a gift of faith look like? A gift of faith looks like someone who really believes when God says that he is able, they believe that God is able. When, when, when God says that his love will never give up on us and there's nothing that can separate us, height or depth or angels or demons or anything, they believe it. They believe it. I mean, go figure. They're the people that really believe God. They have this gift of faith and they can come along and they can encourage you. And when you're going through trials and difficult seasons, they come alongside and they say, but God has a plan. He's not giving up on you. He's not punishing you. And there's going to be light on the other side. There's sorrow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. You, you got to have faith in God. There are people that come alongside and they can be beautiful blessings. But a gift of faith can also be polarizing in the sense that sometimes people don't want to hear it. Sometimes people don't, they don't find it encouraging. Now, sometimes that's the person with the gift of faith needing to learn how to share it, not in an overly simplistic, you know, people, people with a gift of faith, if you're not careful, you can turn into, you know, the cliche bomber where you just kind of show up in people's lives. Well, God's going to make a way, you know, streams in the desert, that kind of a thing. And it can actually be really, it can be really hurtful when used improperly. It can come across as very trite, as very thin. So sometimes the people with the gift of faith, you need to learn how to exercise it in a way that, that doesn't trivialize other people's pain or suffering. But sometimes when we're just miserable, we just don't want to be around people with faith. We want to stew in our sin and our misery, okay? It's a polarizing type of a gift. It's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift, and we need people with the gift of faith in the church. The other one that's kind of polarizing, totally opposite of the spectrum, is administration, okay? Um, we all are thankful that somebody has a spreadsheet, but sometimes we don't always appreciate the person with the spreadsheet, especially, especially if you're like a leader type or a dreamer or a visionary and you're like, but would you leave me alone with the spreadsheet? Cause I'm just trying to be out here like flying and spreading my wings and you're cramping my style with your notes and your details. And um, I'm really thankful for people with gifts of administration. I'm really thankful um, he, he's not, he's, he's no longer with us, but the man formerly known as Pastor Travis Tuttle, uh, you guys remember him? Man, served faithfully and, and really has a, had a, has a gifted uh, administrative side. And when you're starting a new church and you're replanting a church, I, and I've told him this, I've told others this, like I am so thankful for him and those gifts because I don't know if the church would have made it without people with gifts of administration. Again, it can be polarizing. It's almost like the opposite. The person with faith can be just so far out ahead and anything is possible and almost overly optimistic. Sometimes people with gifts of administration can be pessimistic. It's not gonna work. We need a plan no, we need a better plan. We need a longer plan. It's 18 bullet points. We need, each bullet point needs to have a, you know, table and graph and chart attached to it. Listen, if you have gifts of administration, I'm not trying to make fun of you. It's just the reality of, of your gifting. You need to watch out for becoming overly pragmatic, overly pessimistic, and relying upon administration instead of the Holy Spirit of God, who the Bible says God is not a God of chaos, but a God of order, Okay. The power is not in the spreadsheet. The power is in the spirit of God. So remember that even with your gift of administration. Isn't that one of those funny things we talk about like, you know, ordinary looking gifts? I mean, you think about that. Just ordinary, just the most ordinary looking gift there is. Administration, organization, leadership. But when empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's just amazing. 
Uh, administrative people also need to become, uh, need to be careful of becoming critical or expecting too much of people. Okay? All right, now here's some gifts that everyone loves, okay? We're going to start with giving. <laughs> Everybody loves the gift of giving in somebody else, okay? Uh, <laughs> right? Someone, again, as Christians, we are all called to give. We're all called to give to the church to support the work of the ministry. We're all called to give to support the needs of the poor. We're all called to give of our finances, to give of our time, to give of ourselves. But there are some people for whom giving is just a delight. It actually says that in in our passage in Romans that we read today. If if you have a gift of giving, do it cheerfully. Do it with joy. Give. We, We read this passage every week when we collect our offering. Give as an act of worship. Give with joy. Don't do it begrudgingly. Again, all Christians are called to give, but some of you might have a spiritual gift of giving and you come alongside people and you can help bankroll things or pay for things or just show up and provide. Even as we're talking about Armenia or other you know, ministry efforts, sometimes people just show up like, I wanna, I wanna sponsor four kids to go to camp and it's just your joy to do so. Giving can go awry, it can go wrong if it becomes enabling so sometimes if giving, especially when it's coupled with like a mercy gift and you just keep giving, keep giving, keep giving, you're not helping someone to really grow, that can be bad. It also can be when not restrained. It can become like a power play sort of a thing. Some, and this is, um, by God's grace, we have not had even an ounce of that in Sound City Bible Church in, 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 in our two and a half years as a church. I'm so thankful for that. But you hear of these kind of horror stories of the person with the big checkbook and the big gifts of giving and they come like, well, if we don't change the music and you know, if, uh, you know, you don't get your music guy to stop wearing such skinny jeans or whatever. I'm taking my checkbook and leaving, and right? So, you know, th- that can go really, really awry. So for some of you who have this gift of, of giving, be careful that it doesn't turn into a power play. A couple more. Helping. Everyone loves someone with a gift of helping. This is a very general sort of a gift. This might be someone you're like, yeah, I don't have this specific gift, but I just kind of show up and they, you kind of put me in in all sorts of different roles. On the baseball team, you call it a utility player. And in the church, we call them like, oh, thank God, so-and-so's here, right? Because they just show up with a gift of helping. And, and again, maybe it's not some specialized gift. It's not some really unique, you know, like that, like that gift of giving or the gift of discernment. It's just, a, hey, I'm here. How can I help? And think about helping. Helping is relational in its nature. You come alongside someone. And you're, you're used in, in, a, in maybe a variety of ways to help benefit the church. Uh, you got to be careful not get taken advantage of or to say yes to everything. People with a spiritual gift of helps, you're, gonna, you're just going to want to say yes all the time. Just be cautious. I, I've, I have said this to people. Uh, actually, even in the last month, I've said this to people. What have you said no to recently? Because sometimes you just got to say no to something. Also, uh, be on guard against resentment. Sometimes if you're helping, maybe you feel like it's been used or you're kind of resenting, always having to show up and help. Watch out for resentment and and nip it in the bud early. Similar to helping is serving. And uh, the spiritual gifts test that we actually have online combines helping and serving. I see a little bit of a difference because helping is, again, inherently relational. You're coming alongside somebody. Serving, you might just kind of disappear into the background and you're just, you know, maybe just show up and you're, uh, we we used to have a guy that would just come when we had our, our own building in the yard. He would just come over for hours and do like weeding and plant flowers and take care of something. He's just out there. He's just serving. He wasn't even like really helping. He's just serving. So again, they're very closely related. Um, Watch out for martyrdom or uh, woe is me. I'm the only one who serves or does anything around here. Watch out for that. But again, a kind of a very general sort of gift. And then the last one, the 15th one, ones that everyone loves, 
mercy, empathy, care, compassion. Again, as Christians, we are all called to have mercy. We have received mercy from God. We're called to share mercy with others, but some just have a particular gift of mercy. You're tenderhearted. You're loving. When, when someone messes up, you're the first one to come with an arm around their shoulder. I, I love you. We're going to walk this out. A gift of mercy. You might be involved in benevolence or counseling or just maybe you're just a really good friend and companion. How can the gift of mercy go astray? Number one, for you personally, you could be too sensitive. Sometimes with a gift of mercy is that tenderheartedness, but you could be oversensitive, get offended at things that you don't need to be offended over. Book of Proverbs talks about it's good at times to overlook an offense, you know. In the words of the great theologian Elsa, let it go, okay? The other thing with people with a mercy gift, you have to be cautious to not make excuses for people's sin. Sin is death. Sin is poison. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is not the final nail in the coffin when somebody screws up. Yes, and we need people with gifts of mercy to remind us that, especially the people, the people with gifts of discernment and the people with gifts of mercy. Oh my, look out, okay? You know, you, you look out. We need both in the body of Christ, but just be careful that you don't start excusing people's sinful behavior. So there we go. Those are the 15 gifts. Let me just answer a couple of other questions really quickly before I wrap this up. I hope this was helpful and practical for you. Um, I'll talk more in just a second about this online assessment I've referred to, but one of the questions that comes up is, well, wait a minute. I, I thought there were others. I didn't see anything about music on there. I didn't, you know, hear anything about hospitality. Uh, I didn't hear anything about, you know, just some of these other gifts. Are there other gifts? The answer to this question, are there other gifts, is probably. Probably. I don't think, based on my reading of all these different passages, that these lists in the scripture are meant to be exhaustive. I do think that sometimes those other gifts, uh, people sometimes talk about like a gift of prayer, intercessory prayer. They point to Romans 8 or other passages like that. I, I think that a gift of prayer, like, it, like let's say you have that sort of spiritual gift, I think it might just be uh, an outpouring of a gift of faith and a gift of mercy and a gift of, you know, some of those types of things. It, it might be related. It might be its own unique spiritual gift. Here's what I would say. Let's stick close to the list of gifts that God gives us in his word. Let's be open to there being other ones, but just use some common sense, okay? You probably don't have the spiritual gift of hanging out at a coffee shop all day and people watching, okay? Like that's, that's not like, well, but this is what God's gifted me. I'm just I'm flourishing and I'm happiest when I'm just hanging out all day at the coffee shop. And like, no, no, get your latte, get out and go serve somebody, right? You know, so... I don't know. Just let's exercise common sense. Let's exercise discretion. So that's one of the questions I want to, to address. There's other verses that, you know, maybe kind of point to other spiritual gifts, possibly some Old Testament ones. Actually, you'll, you'll like this. I will point out one. The, do you know the first person in the whole Bible that's, that's ever referred to uh, as being filled with the Spirit of God? It's in the book of Exodus. The first guy ever who says he was full of the Holy Spirit of God is the guy who was in charge of construction of the tabernacle. You like that, Sam? Like construction is a spiritual gift in the book of Exodus. Probably, yeah, he first got to shoot himself with a nail gun in the Sinai Desert. So. <laughs> the other question, though, that really comes up, and, and this is an important one, is, okay, well, 
those gifts, they look so normal. They look so ordinary. Non-Christians have gifts of administration. Non-Christians have gifts of teaching or, or exhortation. So what is the difference between a talent and a spiritual gift? And this is important. Here's how you can tell if this is just merely a talent, something somebody's naturally good at versus whether it's a spiritual gift. Number one, a spiritual gift will be Christ-focused. We could use all of those gifts for our own selfish benefits, could we not? But in the life of the church, in the body of Christ, in the family of God, a spiritual gift is used first and foremost for the glory of Jesus Christ. Not to point people to self, but to point people to him, the one who gives us the gifts. Number two, a spiritual gift builds up the body. Again, a natural talent, you could use that to just build up yourself, just to build up your pocketbook, to build up your ego, to build up your whatever it might be. But a spiritual gift specifically will build up the body of Christ. Number three, if it's a spiritual gift versus a talent, it will be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Go read that list in Galatians 5. If people are using these gifts, even a word of knowledge or teaching or discernment, but it doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit, then it might just be a natural ability and not a Holy Spirit fruit. And then number four, usually when a spiritual gift is at work, truly there's going to be evangelism. People meet Jesus. And we'll get more into this in a couple of weeks. We read in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about, you know, you're using your gifts and unbeliever enters, falls to their knees and says, God is truly among you. The good news is as we as Christians press into our God, as we press into our Savior, the good news is the Holy Spirit can fill us and take all of those natural and normal abilities that are within us and actually turn them into spiritual gifts. God wants our abilities to be used for the benefit of others, for the glory of Jesus, for the reaching of lost people, to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? So if you have these gifts and these abilities, you're like, well, I don't even understand how to use them for the church. We, we start by praying. We start by getting in community and asking, hey, how can I use these gifts for the building up of the body of Christ? And here's the most beautiful thing. Think about this, friends. If you have some of these gifts, you might be tempted to think, well, they're just kind of ordinary. I didn't get miracles. Darn. I didn't get speaking in tongues. Darn some of the flashier looking gifts, healing. Think about the way that all of these ordinary gifts point us to Jesus. Gift of shepherding says that Jesus cared for the people because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The gift of administration. You think Jesus organizing his 12 disciples, sending out the 72 two by two, you think Jesus had a plan? Yeah, he had a plan. Think about Jesus' gift of mercy as he hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Think about Jesus' gifts of teaching and instructing and distinguishing of spirits and discernment when he rebuked the Pharisees and said, your, your hearts are far from God. All of these gifts serve to point us to Jesus, the one who lived and died and rose again to bring us into his body. This is good news. Amen, church? I want to pray. And I want to uh, invite us into a time of response now. And I want to begin by, by praying and asking God to show our hearts where we're gifted if we don't know. And so I'm just going to invite you to just pray with me and open your heart to this. God, we ask that right now by your Holy Spirit, you'd help us to know if, if any of these gifts are present, God, we want to put them to use for your glory. We want to put them to use for the good of others and building up the body. We want to see them operating with the fruit of the Spirit 
not for selfish gain, but for building up others. God, I pray right now you'd stir in our hearts to know what those gifts are, but God, not just to know it, but to be eager to put those gifts to use in obedience to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. We're going to respond by uh, giving of our tithes and offerings. So for those of you who have the spiritual gift of giving, I encourage you to give generously. For those of you who don't have that gift, I encourage you to give generously. For all of us, though, let's remember, we don't give out of duty or guilt or obligation. We give as an act of worship. If you want to give online or text to give, there's information up there on the screen. And then here's here's what I want to do. Usually during this time, I'll read through some discussion questions. Uh, all those are printed on your handout. They're all up on the website. I want to let you know about this thing. It's, it's live now on our website. It's called the, the Spiritual Gifts Test. And so um, I've got some pictures here on slides. I don't know how well they'll show up. But if you go on our website and you click on the tab that says Other Resources, down at the bottom is a button that says Spiritual Gifts. Click on that spiritual gifts and it'll take you to a page where there's kind of some introductory information about spiritual gifts and then there's two buttons down at the bottom. On the right is the definitions. If you want to read a little bit more or study a little bit more about these different gifts. But on the left is a button that just simply says, take the test. And that'll pop you over to a a different website. We actually uh, really have liked this test. The only bad thing I can say is sometimes the email results, they're a little bit garbled. So when they pop up your results, you know, on your screen, maybe take a picture of it or print them out or something like that. Uh, The email results, we're working with the developers. They've been really great to get with us and and trying to fix some of those issues. I would love, here's, here's what you can do. Okay, if you want to wait until next week, to find out if you have the gift of miracles before taking the test, you're welcome to. Although if you have the gift of miracles, I don't think you need the online test to tell you that you have the gift of miracles, okay? Um, You can wait till next week. If you'd like to this week, maybe even before your community group, take this gifts assessment, go over it with your spouse, with your friends, with your community group this week, and just see how how accurate it is. And, and, And the test by no means is you know, infallible or authoritative. It's just a helpful tool to get us thinking, okay? So that's what I want to encourage you toward this week. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table together. We're going to gather around this table, uh, so to speak, with the bread and with the cup, and we're going to remember our Lord Jesus. I'm going to invite our musicians to come, if they would, and prepare to lead us in song. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians to uh, turn our hearts towards this celebration of the Lord's table. Paul writes that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread— And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup. And after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. I want to pray. The musicians will begin to play and and they'll give you a minute to to reflect if you want. And then when it's time, we'll all stand together and we'll, we'll worship Jesus through song. But let me pray and then we'll begin our time of response. God, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us spiritual gifts. God, thank you for giving us yourself. Going back to week one, God, I pray that we wouldn't be so enamored with the gifts that we would forget about the one who gives the gifts. I pray now as we worship and and sing and pray and celebrate communion, that your Holy Spirit would fill us fresh and that God, you'd 
Help us to see the ways in which you're working in us and with us and through us to use those gifts for your glory and for the good of others. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.